Well, it's lovely to be back with you here at Ridley Hall. I think it was about four or five years ago I came to uh, fill the pulpit uh, while you were uh, waiting for the Lord to uh, lead you to a new pastor. Uh, And so it's a real joy to be back with you. And it was a joy to hear from Fabio uh, that he was called here to be the minister. Uh, So it's lovely to have these two worlds uh, meet together and to see you all again. As uh, Fabio mentioned, This week, I'm going to be working with the Open Air Mission. I I do work with the Open Air Mission full-time, but we we spend a week each year here in London uh, to do a week of open air outreach in Leicester Square, at Covent Garden, Piccadilly Circus, um, and various other locations. And uh, there'll there'll be supporters coming from uh, local churches, local pastors joining us as as well. Um, And if you're free and want to come and join us at any point this week, Come and speak to me after the service, and I'd be glad to share our locations with you, even if it's just coming and standing and listening to the preaching. Uh, that's a great help and support. Um, so we'd love, love to see you, and do covet your prayers as well for us. Uh, it's a long and busy week. We're out most after, well, every afternoon and most evenings we're out as well, uh, reaching out with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, before we hear God's word, uh, let's just uh, pray one more time. Our gracious God and our heavenly Father, we bow before you and we acknowledge that your word is a hammer that breaks the rocks in pieces. It is a double-edged sword, Uh, Lord, and we we realize we're treading on holy ground as we read its contents, Lord, as we hear it proclaimed. And we pray, Father, that as we hear your word, that you would open our eyes, that we might behold wondrous things out of your law, that we would hear the voice of God speaking to us by your spirit to our hearts, Lord, that we might be conformed as we've prayed already to the image of the beloved Son of the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. We pray this in his name. Amen. Please turn back in your Bibles to Psalm uh, 32. Psalm 32. And as you turn there, I'll just uh, bring the greetings of Counterthought Baptist Church to you, my own home church in Leicester. Uh, They're praying for you all uh, uh, this morning as, uh, as we gather here. A few years ago, I was uh, going with my family to a brother-in-law's wedding, um, and it was in Northern Ireland. And as is usually the case when you travel with a family, we had two children at that point, uh, a baby and a a three-year-old, two-year-old, I should say. And uh, uh, there's so many things to gather together. Uh, We were due to catch a flight from Birmingham Airport, and uh, we knew the time of the flight. We knew in our head what time we had to leave. But as is usually the case, you know, there's this to bring and there's that to bring and then the baby needs changing and then something else crops up. And uh, we ended up delaying leaving home just a little while. And uh, we, we got on the M6 motorway to get to Birmingham Airport from Leicester and then the traffic starts to build up. And uh, we're anxiously looking at our watches and the time is passing and the traffic's slowing And we managed to take a bit of a diversion and we got to the airport, uh, got to the check-in desk and the lady at the check-in desk did not look too pleased. She looked at the time, looked at us and she said, you've got check-in luggage, it's too late. It's too late. You've delayed and you've missed uh, the opportunity to get on the flight. And we spent eight long hours in that airport and a lot of money on flights with a different operator to get to the wedding in time. And if ever I'm uh, talking to a family who are going to be traveling, perhaps catching the plane for, a f- for the first time with young children, I'll say to them this, 
Whatever you do, don't delay. Get out of the house on time. Uh, That is my word of wisdom and advice for anyone traveling with a family. Well, Psalm 32 is King David's word of wisdom. It's his advice uh, to all of us as God's people. And his advice is the same advice. Don't delay. Don't delay. But what's he saying not to delay about? Well, Psalm 32 is David's own experience. And he's sharing with us that we are not to delay in doing something very specific. And that is confessing sin. And so if you want to take one thing away from this morning's sermon, uh, David wants us to learn this. Do not delay in confessing sin. Now in verses 1 and 2, David uses three uh, Old Testament words to describe sin. The first one is transgression. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven. And this word has the sense of of crossing the line, going beyond the boundaries. And we don't know the exact scenario that David was in in his life when he wrote Psalm 32. Perhaps it was his sin with Bathsheba. And if so, he would have been very aware that he had transgressed the law of God. Willfully, he had committed adultery. Willfully, he had deceived. Willfully, he had murdered and gone beyond the boundaries of God's law. But he uses another word too. Blessed, uh, sorry, blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Sin is a military term. It is not going beyond the boundary, but it's missing the mark. It is leaving undone those things that we should have done. It's a generic word for disobedience uh, to the law of God. It is failing to keep God's standards. And then he uses another word in verse Two, blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity. And this has the sense of a a twisted character, a twisted heart, twisted desires. Maybe as you think about your own heart this morning, you could identify with that. Our desires twisted, our inner man corrupted. Now there was a point in David's experience where he became conscious of transgression and sin and iniquity in his life. His conscience was awakened to these realities. But let me ask you a question. What do you do when your conscience is awakened to iniquity, to transgression, to sin? Well, often our response to that awakened conscience is to delay in confessing it. And that's for various reasons. Maybe you're here this morning and you're a, you're a Christian. And I know one of the biggest struggles in my Christian life, and I think it's perhaps common to the experience of many, is that we tend to have a hard view of the mercy of God. That God is in some way reluctant to pardon us for our sins. And so we, we keep ourselves from the presence of God. We may even come into... Uh, the gathering of God's people on the Lord's Day morning, but we are, in a sense, withholding ourselves from seeking the Lord. We are holding back from confessing sin because we, we think that the Lord is somehow reluctant to pardon that sin. Sometimes we may minimize the sin and try and rationalize it when our conscience is awakened. Well, surely it was only a little sin. Or we just simply find the gospel too hard to believe. 
that that very sin that I've done, and I know I've done many times in my Christian life, that there is still grace in Jesus Christ for me to pardon me for that. And that's, it's hard. The hardest thing to believe in the Christian life is the freeness of God's pardon for us in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so with that unbelief rooted in our hearts, we may delay in confessing sin. Maybe you're here and you're not a Christian this morning. Maybe mum and dad are believers and you know that you have sinned in, in your life and your conscience is awakened to these things. But many unbelievers, many put off confessing sin to the Lord because simply they'll say, well, ultimately it doesn't matter in the end. You try and convince yourself that the Lord in some way simply will sweep away your sins. There will be no accountability for your life. Or perhaps you've convinced yourself that you can cover them because other people don't know about those things that you have done. Therefore, the Lord will ultimately not hold you to account. David says to us in this psalm, brothers and sisters, friends, don't delay in confessing sin, whatever your reason is for delaying. And he gives us in this psalm four reasons we should not delay to confess sin the moment that our conscience is aware of it. Now, the first one is found in verses one and two, and it's this. Don't delay in confessing your sin because of the fullness of God's forgiveness. Because of the fullness of God's forgiveness. In verses one and two, David lifts up the diamond of the Lord's pardoning mercy, and he turns that diamond around to see it in different faces, and he shows us three glistening faces of this beautiful diamond of God's pardoning mercy, and he does that by using three different words for God's pardon. Three different words for God's pardon. He's already used three different words to describe the ugliness of sin, but he uses three words now to describe God's pardoning mercy. And the first is the word forgiven. Forgiven. And this has the sense of a burden being lifted away. Uh, just a few psalms on in Psalm 38, David describes the sense of his own guilt as a burden. In verse chapter 38, Psalm 38, verse 4, he says this, For my iniquities have gone over my head, like a heavy burden, they are too heavy for me. Perhaps you've known that experience in your own conscience. Everything seems well to other people around you. Maybe you're putting on a good face here this morning, but you feel the crushing weight of a guilty conscience. Well, the word used here for forgiveness tells us that when we confess our sin, immediately God will lift that heavy burden from our shoulders. In the book of Leviticus, uh, we have there recorded for us by Moses the uh, case of the scapegoat. And uh, when a scapegoat was used, Aaron, uh, it tells us, would lay both his hands on the head of the live goat, confess over all the iniquities of the children of Israel and all their transgressions concerning all their sins, putting them on the head of the goat and shall send it into the wilderness. 
by the hand of a suitable man. The weight of those sins was transferred onto this goat and the goat would carry that weight away. The Lord Jesus, John the Baptist said, is the Lamb of God who takes away, who lifts away the sin of the world because he was crushed under the weight of our sins. So don't delay in confessing them because in Christ there is forgiveness. The weight can be lifted away. That's why Jesus says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. But he turns that diamond round and he shows us another beautiful face of God's pardoning mercy. He says here, blessed is the man uh, whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered, covered. And this is another aspect of God's mercy. He not only lifts away the burden, but he covers over the record of our sins. They are removed out of his sight. In Psalm 51, David talks about his iniquity being always before him, like a, 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 a video in his mind playing over and over again. And the mindset of the natural man of humanity is to cover sin. We want to cover sin. What did Adam and Eve do in the garden when they heard the Lord God walking? They hid themselves. They were shamed. Children, what do you do when uh, you know you've done something wrong? When mum and dad have told you you've got 10 minutes to tidy that bedroom and you hear them walking up the stairs, I know what my children do. Shove it under the bed. Hide the evidence of our disobedience. What do you do with your internet search history when there are things you know you shouldn't have been looking at? Do you delete it? You cover it? What do you do when the boss is coming at work and you haven't been doing what you should be doing? Do you look busy? You cover your sin? Do you try and cover your financial transactions? Maybe from a husband or wife. You know you shouldn't have been spending on that thing and you do it on some other means to make sure that they can't find you out. This is the way that the world thinks. This is the way the natural man thinks, but it's often the way that we can fall into thinking as believers that we can somehow, in some way, cover our sins. But the logic of Scripture, the logic of the Gospel, is the opposite to the logic of the natural man because here David teaches us that the only way for sin to be covered is actually to uncover it, to make it known. Proverbs 28 verse 13 tells us this. He who covers his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. Here's the promise of the new covenant. No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord. Listen, for I will forgive their iniquity and their sin. I will remember no more. I will cover it over. I will put it out of sight. Micah says in chapter 7, verse 19, uh, that you will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. 
David continues to turn this diamond round and he says not only when we confess our sins immediately is that uh, transgression lifted away, is it covered over, never to be held to our accounts, but he uses another word. He says, blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity. And this is a term of accounting. Recently, I took my car to the garage a few months ago. It had a, a squeak on the back wheel, and it was really irritating me. And I took it in, and you know what it's like when you take your car to the garage. You just never know how bad the issue is. You never know what they're going to say. So you, you, you drop it off in the morning, and you're waiting for the phone call from the receptionist and for them to tell you uh, the bill. And perhaps you're uh, thinking about it on and off during the day. Have I got enough money for it? How's it all going to work? Well, that day I dropped my car at the garage and, uh, and she phoned to say uh, that the work was done. The squeak was fixed. But she didn't tell me how much it was going to cost. So in trepidation, I thought I won't pursue this over the phone. I went, I walked over to the garage to pick my car up and said, how much? And she simply said to me, no charge. No charge. And there's not many garages that like that. I'm very blessed to have a good garage near to me. But she said, no charge. They fitted a part on it, solved the problem, uh, but there was no cost. And this is the term that David's using here. This is the idea that he's trying to get across. When one pardon, when one confesses uh, their sins to the Lord, there is no charge laid against you anymore. There is no charge. Sin is taken away guilt is pardoned and of course paul picks this up in a passage that uh, your pastor read to us earlier on it is not only no charge but that the righteousness of jesus christ is imputed to us we are granted his spotless and perfect obedience it is accounted to us so here's this glorious picture of the fullness of God's pardoning mercy. And David puts this here because he wants us to, to realize it's, it's futile. Don't have a, a hard view of God. He is ready to pardon, it says in another part of Scripture. And that pardon is full. Don't delay in confessing sin. David didn't know the fullness of the gospel at this point. He knew that God had promised a, a saviour. He knew that there must be atonement for sin. He knew the types and shadows. But friends, we have even more reason not to delay, but because we know how God has atoned for our sins, how that pardon has been purchased for us. Well, secondly, don't delay in confessing sin because of the discipline of God, because of the discipline of of God. Look at verses 3 to 5. Here David describes this experience of discipline under the hand of, of God. Verses 1 and 2 were not always his experience. He didn't know the blessing of forgiveness and his sin being covered all the time before there was a time of chastening in his life. And the Lord's chastening, his discipline to a believer who has unconfessed sin, often begins in small ways. The prod of conscience, the lack of comfort in the Christian 
life. But if we continue in unconfessed sin, then there tends to be this ramping up of God's discipline. Spurgeon said this, that God does not permit his children to sin successfully. He doesn't permit his children uh, to sin successfully. And in these verses, verses uh, 3 and 4 particularly, uh, David describes these different ways that God's loving hand of chastening came into his life in order to draw out confession from him. Firstly, he talks about physical weakness. Look at verse 3. When I kept silent, my bones grew old through my groaning all the day long. You know, our souls and our bodies are intimately linked. And uh, in David's experience, he's, he's talking about his bones as an analogy for his whole body. He feels like he's aged and he's, he's physically weak. In another psalm, Psalm 38, he says, There's no soundness in my flesh because of your anger, nor any health in my bones because of my sin. Later in that psalm, he says, For my loins are full of inflammation and there is no soundness in my flesh. I am feeble and severely broken. I groan because of the turmoil of my heart. Now, we must be clear that not all sickness is because of, of the chastening hand of God for a particular unconfessed sin. That would be totally unbiblical to say that. But there is a tendency that we do have that when unexpected sickness or bodily weakness arises in our hearts, the first thing we want to do in our lives, the first thing that we want to do is simply to fix it. Uh, maybe you've had that experience. I just want to get the painkillers. I want to get whatever it is. I want to get to the doctor. I want to get better and get back to normal. But sometimes the Lord afflicts us physically because he's laying his hand upon us and dealing with us. Not always. But we should first ask the question, Lord, what are you dealing with? What are you, what are you doing with me? What are you teaching me? What is there something? Is there something, uh, Lord, uh, do I need to search my heart? In David's case here, this physical weakness was the case of, was caused by unconfessed sin. And the Lord in his love was afflicting David uh, to draw him back to himself. Matthew Henry says this, sometimes Christ sees that we need sickness for the good of our souls more than we need healing for the good of our bodies. J.C. Ryle said, health is a good thing, but sickness is better if it leads us to God. And that's what happened in David's life. But it wasn't just physical weakness that David experienced. Look at verse 4. He talks about the loss of his vitality. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was turned into the drought of summer. The picture here is of a plant that's withering, that's wilting. Do you remember the heat wave last year? And uh, we were at church on the Lord's Day morning uh, during those, those days where it was kind of 35, 38. And there were these two plants at the front of church and they were utterly withered they had no strength left in them because they hadn't been watered sufficiently during that heat wave and that's the picture david paints his whole life his vitality his energy his zeal has just been zapped away 
and he can't pray and he can't enjoy the Lord and he has no pleasure in life. What is the Lord doing? Again, he's pulling David back to himself. He's taking David's comforts away that he might seek him. And when we feel like that, again, it's not always the case of unconfessed sin, but sometimes it is. And sometimes we need to take stock and stop and search our hearts. Lord, are you dealing with me? Lord, have I strayed from you? Have I left the God I love? Don't delay in confessing sin, David says, because of the discipline of God. We need to listen to the voice of God here on the Lord's Day morning. We need to come with a, a tender heart, ready to immediately confess. Because if we don't, the Lord loves us too much to let us go on in our sin. And whilst there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, God does bring painful discipline and chastening if we continue in that way. Thirdly, David tells us, don't delay in confessing sin because confession is simple. Confession is simple. It's not hard. It's, sorry, it is hard to do because of our, the opposition in our hearts, the unbelief, but it's actually a very simple thing to do. He describes what this looked like for him in verse 5. I acknowledged my sin to you and my iniquity I have not hidden. I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. David uses two verbs, two words here to describe the process of confession. And the first one is this, is to acknowledge my sin to you. It is to make it known to God. Now this is strange language, isn't it? When you think about the all-seeing, all-knowing God. Why do we need to confess our sins when the Lord knows about them before we confess them? Well, it's not because the Lord needs to know about our sin. But in this process of acknowledging our sin to God, what we are doing is we are agreeing with God's verdict upon our sin. We are acknowledging the perversity of our heart. We are acknowledging the ugliness of sin before a holy God. And we are agreeing with God about his verdict upon sin. So we acknowledge our sin. It's a very simple thing to do. We simply tell the Lord about it and tell the Lord in no uncertain terms how abhorrent that sin is. But he uses another word too. He says, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And the, 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 the picture here is of a public confession. He goes into the house of God, into the tabernacle. And he, although he may not be overheard confessing all the individual ins and outs of his sin, he is seen publicly confessing his sins. He is not qualifying what he has done. He's not excusing what he's done. It is clear, unambiguous confession. And this is true confession in Scripture, is not to seek to uh, minimize our sins in the presence of God. It is not to seek to excuse them, but simply to confess. That's why we have a time of confession in 
the public worship of God. It is right to corporately and publicly confess that we are sinners in need of the pardoning mercy and grace of God. And look what happened as David did that. Immediately in verse 5, you forgave the iniquity of my sin. You know, the human heart always delays in confessing sin and maybe you're here and your conscience is burdened and you've tried to sort out that habit in your life, that issue in your life before you confess. But come and confess your sin because it's simple. Just confess and the Lord forgives the iniquity immediately. It's another reason that David gives to confess our sin and not delay in doing so. And that's this. Don't delay in confessing sin because the opportunity for confession may pass. The opportunity for confession may pass. Listen to the words of David in verse 6. For this cause, everyone who is godly shall pray to you in a time when you may be found. A time when you may be found. Now, if there's a time when God may be found, that means there is also a time when God may not be found. Now, how do you square that with what Paul says in Acts 17? But he is not far from each one of us. The nearness and imminence of God to every single one of us. Well, David here isn't talking about the imminence of God in his omnipresence. He's talking about scenarios and situations in your life where God draws near in his providence. Perhaps it is, as we've just read about, a time of particular suffering and chastening. And God is drawing near so that you might confess to him. There are other kinds of times, maybe you're not a Christian here this morning, and you come here and you think you're just coming to hear a man speak. You're just coming to gather with people maybe you get unwell with. But the reality is, is that when you come here on the Lord's Day, God draws near. It is an opportunity when God may be found as the gospel is proclaimed from this pulpit. There are times when God draws near, particularly when a a brother or sister or a friend speaks to us a word of gracious and loving rebuke and maybe initially our hearts resist it. But, you know, the Lord is drawing near. And there is a danger at such times that we delay in confession. We hold off confessing sin, even though the Lord in his mercy is drawing near. How do we determine who a true Christian is in this case? How do we, how do we know? Uh, when David committed a, a sin in his uh, transgression with Bathsheba, and he lived in unconfessed sin for three years. Well, David says in verse 6, For this cause, everyone who is godly shall pray to you in a time when you may be found. The mark of a true believer is not that they never sin. 
John says, doesn't it? If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But the mark of a true Christian, the mark of godliness is what we do with our sin. When the Lord shows it to us, when the Lord chastens us, eventually everyone who is truly godly will pray to the Lord in a time when he may be found. But there is a danger that when the Lord draws near, we harden our hearts. We refuse to confess. And that's a very dangerous thing, because whilst we may believe ourselves to be a Christian, if that's the position we are in, we can have no assurance that we belong to the Lord as long as we harden our heart to his tender drawing near and rebukes to us. King Joash in the Bible, I was just preaching on him recently, he, he appeared to be a godly man. He, he restored and rebuilt the temple and strengthened it. He had a godly adoptive father and he did great things for the Lord. But as his heart was flattered by the world, he even though the Lord sent prophets to him, and even his own brother and uh, his own adoptive brother Zechariah came and tenderly rebuked him, he, he hardened his heart to the voice of God, and his life ended in apostasy. That's why you can't trifle with this. You can't delay. Because listen to what David says: For the one who confesses their sins and prays to the Lord in a time when he may be found, look at the end of verse six. Surely in a flood of great waters they shall not come near him. Now we need to read the Psalms backwards as well as forwards. And when we read about a flood, of course, what did David have in mind? Most likely the flood of Noah. What does the flood represent? It represents judgment. And here's the danger. If we leave unconfessed sin and we harden our heart, that one day we will face that final judgment, not of a flood, but what the flood prefigures for us now. The final judgment of fire. And if you're, not, if you're here this morning and not a Christian and your conscience is pricked, do not delay in confessing sin because the opportunity may pass. You may not come to this service again. You may not have that conscience awakened again. And even the time may come when you leave this world and the flood of God's judgment comes upon your soul. And then it is too late. God will not be found after Christ comes or when we leave this world. David tells us not to be foolish, not to be stubborn. Look at verses 8 and 9. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. Do not be like the horse or like the mule which have no understanding which must be harnessed with bit and bridle, else they will not come near you. The picture is of a, a stubborn animal that you need to tug and pull. And he's saying, that was my experience. And the Lord speaks through David here and says, don't be like David. Don't be stubborn. Have a tender heart, a tender conscience. And as soon as you're aware of sin, confess it to the Lord. David says, this is my experience in Verse 10 and 11, that when we confess our sin, when we keep short accounts with God, he says that we can be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. 
Lord, what a contrast between the time of David's chastening when he had no vitality to then confessing in the temple and then publicly shouting for joy and inviting others to join with him in the praise of the Lord. Is this you this morning? Are you in a position where your vitality is gone and you don't, things aren't right in your life and your conscience tells you? Can I say along with David, don't delay in confessing sin because there is fullness in God's pardon for you, whatever it is. Because of the chastening of God, if you delay, you, you risk the hand of God's chastening upon you. Because confession is simple, you just need to agree with God about your sin and tell him all about it. And because if you delay, you trifle with eternal death. Because the opportunity to find God's mercy may pass.